Good morning. Dude, you guys are excited this morning. I love it. I'm excited too, man. We got a baptism coming up, so I'm going I'm to preach real fast because that's one of my favorite things on the planet. And uh, I didn't say I wasn't going to preach a lot. I'm just going to preach the same amount, just in a smaller condensed session. So I'm going to start speeding up my talk, and I'll just talk like this the whole time. And then, you know, you'll have to go back and listen to it, slow it down and listen. But uh, if you guys will pray with me real fast, um, we're going to go ahead and get started. God, I just want to thank you so much. Uh, just for these people, God, just for the people that you have sent us, God, just for uh, the way that you move in this church, just continually changing people's lives and saving lives, God. These are the things that we can't fake or duplicate, God. These are the things that we want, God. We want to see you uh, just move in the hearts and the minds of people, God, and do the things that only you can do, God. And today is just a one big giant celebration of that, just seeing you be you, God. And I thank you, Father, and I pray that you would just continue to be with us, God. And I pray, Father, right now that you will not let an ounce of uh, this message, God, depend on any of my ability or my ability to focus or my attention, God, or uh, my ability or my talent, God, that it is just 100% all you, Father God. I pray, Lord, that you just let your spirit rest in this house and you're holy in your precious name. Amen. So we're right in the middle of this series. We're going through, finishing through uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there and hang out uh, there. And um, one of the things that, that, that when, I was, when I was a kid, I was like absolutely for whatever reason, just like fascinated with magic tricks and card tricks. Like it was just something that uh, I just enjoyed. When I was a kid, I remember uh, going to visit my dad in the summer and he had this, what he, I don't know what he called it, I called it a little magic bag. It was a little black bag. You remember that little black bag full of magic tricks? And uh, I spent, I don't know, vast majority of my childhood looking for this magic bag uh, to no avail. Found a lot of things I wish I hadn't have found um, and looking for it. Sorry, dad. And um, <laughs> Uh, but, you know, I never did, never did find the bag, and uh, that's what you get for going to your son's church. But uh, never, did, never did find the magic bag. To this day, I've never laid my eyes on it outside of, outside of when he had it. And I was just always amazed. It's just something that always, uh, it just got my attention, man. And it was, there was a time in, in my life when I was just absolutely, utterly fascinated um, by, by magic tricks and tricks. And, you know, and, uh, it was just, it was just cool. Cause you always just love going, man, how'd they do that? How, how, how in the world did that happen? And so, uh, I just, I, this morning, I just want to do one. And, uh, this isn't like the drums last week. Like there's a point to this. Okay. If you were last week, people were like, that was so good. What, what was the, what was the point? And I was like, I didn't have one. That was just, I just was back there and I thought, why not? Why not just play? And some people were pretty encouraging. Caleb, our drummer said it was the worst drumming he had ever heard. Whatever. Uh, I thought it was pretty good. So I just need, I just need somebody to come up here real fast. Um, I, just, I, I just need somebody to help me, somebody that, that Isaiah, you want to come help me? You're easily distracted. Let's go. Come up. Let's do this. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. This is my boy right here. If there is ever anybody I've met that's got a little bit of Jordan in him, it's this kid right here, all right? And that's, that might not be a good thing. I don't know. I don't know. Well, come, come, let's just move this over here, and uh, let's, let's just, uh, we'll, we'll open the, move the Bible and just... So I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And sometimes I get this right, and sometimes I don't. All right. I'm really hoping, because they're here, that now's not the time that I screw this up. Okay? So we're just going just to do this. I'm going to do is just get you go through, pick a card. Don't tell me what it is. All right? You got good memory. You got good enough memory. Just show it to them. Nobody say it. Just make sure that at least some of them be able to see it. Can some people see it? Raise your hand if you can see, see what card it is. Four people. Okay, great. All right. Just put it right here on top. Just put it right here on top. All right, you ready for this? All right, I'm going to do this. I do this sometimes. Sometimes I get this right, and sometimes I don't. So here's what I want you to do, man. I just want you to, when I, when I, when I, when I get to this, you just say, hey, listen, 
I'm going to say, this is the card. And if it is the card, you say, yeah, it's the card. You're amazing. You're a wizard. Okay. And if it's not the card, you just say, Jordan, you're an idiot. That's not the card. Are you ready for this? All right. Is that the card? Jordan, you're an idiot. Jordan, you're an idiot. Okay. That's wrong. Okay. Listen, don't tell them that it was a jack of hearts. All right. Don't tell them it's a jack of hearts. Don't stay up here. Don't tell them it's a jack of hearts. I don't want you to, I want you, okay. I don't want you to do it. I'm going to shuffle them up real fast. Just don't, don't tell them it's a jack of hearts. And those of you that saw it, y'all don't tell them it was a jack of hearts, okay? Are you listening? All right, don't tell them it was a jack of hearts. All right, so we're just going to do this now. I'm going to get you, because I'm, really, I'm not really a wizard. I didn't go to Hogwarts, so I'm going to I'm gonna get you to do this, okay? We're just going to go. Okay. All right. So just say one, two, or three. Just say one, two, or three. You say it. Three. This deck right here. We're gonna move this over here. Just gonna switch them around a little bit. Switch them around a little bit. Just say one or two. One. You can say one. You want that one? All right. All right. All right. We'll just move them around a little bit. That way. That way. Can everybody, everybody see what's going on? Oh man, the word of God's always getting in the way. <laughs> All right. All right. Just say one, two, three, four, or five. One, two, three. This one? Yeah. All right. We'll just go up like this. Say one, two, three, or four. Two. Two. That's the one you want right there. All right. Now, what are the odds? Don't th- it w- now, just for the record, was it the Jack of Hearts? Yeah, it was. It was. Was it the Jack of Hearts? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I win no matter what happens. Now, I'm magical because I got that right without seeing it. Now, this is whether you're magical or not. What do you give me? You got a job, right? Yeah, you do a week's wages if that's a Jack of Hearts? We'll pick it up and see what it is. I don't know what it is. I'm probably wrong. This will be the time God would make me be wrong on this, too. <laughs> Jack of hearts. You can keep this, man, as a, as a souvenir. And I'll expect that check anytime. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing with, with that. I, truthfully, I know you guys think so, but I'm not a wizard. All right? I know, that, I know that in your mind, you're going, man, he's a wizard. And I'm not a wizard. All right? One other thing I learned early on is that when it comes to tricks and stuff like that, it's all about distraction. It's all about distraction. If you, you're over here, you're getting people to look at this while you're doing something down here. You're getting people to focus in on, on one thing while you're doing something and you're flipping it and you're changing it and you're doing your thing. And so the whole time, you know, I mean, this basically, Isaiah, y'all saw Isaiah did the trick. I didn't even do the trick. But the whole time, everybody, you're fo- everybody's focused on something instead of being on the thing that you should be focused on the most. It's distraction. That's the thing. That's the thing. That's how every trick you've ever seen done, every, every, every trick you've seen in Vegas, every trick you've seen on TV, every card trick, every magic trick, everything you've ever seen done, it's because they, attend- they, they fooled you. They tricked you. They got you so distracted that you couldn't focus in on the one thing that you need to focus in on. And so they were able to do the things that you don't think should be possible or you don't think would ever be able to happen. Does that make sense? Yeah. So what are the odds that, that I could out of after 52 cards that he just picks one and then I knew it without even looking, I knew it was a jack of hearts. That's impossible. I'm not a psychic. Well, maybe I am. But the thing is, is that, that I shouldn't be able to do that. And in your mind, you're going, he shouldn't be able to do that. And how did he do that? And it's because I was able to distract you long enough to do the things that I needed to do while you weren't paying attention. And so that you just found yourself asking a question all of a sudden, how did that happen? How did that happen to me? How did we get where we are? How did we wind up where we are? 
And one of the things that, that, that I've noticed about my life and one of the things that I've noticed about Scripture and one of the things is I, is I go through and I do counseling. And just for the record, I'm a horrible counselor. And, and I apologize to the people that I'm in the process of counseling right now. But I really am. I am really am. I'm just a horrible counselor. Because one of the things, it, 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 you get ingrained in the middle of it. Like you get, you get so in the middle of what's going on in your life that you don't realize what's really going on in your life. And so you wind up going, you're at the, near the end of your marriage, right? And, and it just seems like yesterday you got married and now you're about to sign divorce papers. And in the back of your mind, you're just going, how on earth did we get here? How did we wind up in the place that we're in? How did we wind up in the situation that we're in right here, right now? Like what happened? Like what took place? What argument? What, what day of the week? What season of our life? How did we get to this place so quick, so fast? Like how in the world did the enemy get so involved in our lives that it's over? Sometimes we get, you, get, you know, nobody, and this is the thing, nobody wakes up one day so entrenched in debt they can't even think straight. It doesn't happen like that. You just get to a place and you're just like, how did we come up with $20,000 in debt? How did we come up with so much debt that we can't even think straight? How, how did we get to the place to where we're living paycheck to paycheck, we're, we're spending more money every month than, we, than we're bringing in, and this creates this massive amount of stress and this massive amount of, uh, 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 of just anger and frustration and confusion in our life? I mean, you go through all oh, so many, when did we, you wake up? And I mean, you just have to ask yourself this question. You know, when did our kids go absolutely insane? Where, at what point in life was it like when they were 12? I mean, when it was when they were teenagers, they were like, when did they just freak out and stop thinking radically? I mean, when, when, when did that change? When, when they, they, like five seconds ago, they were just, you know, cute little hanging out in the living room playing games. And now, you know, they're just, they're listening to death metal music and they're getting their brain pierced and they're just driving off and, and they're just insane. And like, what, when did that happen? You know what I mean? There's so many things in life that comes down to this point. And this is, this is what I want you to understand. It's because we get so distracted that we don't ever see the main thing coming. And from Genesis to Revelation, if you go through and you look at the greatest attack of the enemy, the greatest attack of the enemy from day one all the way to the very end, 100% is distraction. Absolutely distraction, 100% distraction. Distraction makes it so difficult to even do the normal things in life, the things that we're good at, right? Just like last night we went... I'm over to the uh, uh, Lake Norman Marina down the road. They had a family night. And, and one of the, the highlight of the night, they were doing this boat dock loading contest. That's wrong. What's it called? Boat dock? Boat dock. So they, they, they back boats. They drove out really fast, and they back boats in to the way. And you get, you get tested on this. You get grilled on this. And so as you pull out, it's a contest between all the drivers. Now, this is something they do every single day. They sell boats. So they're taking people out on test drives every single day, and they're, they're pulling out, and they're driving out, and they're pulling back in. It's something they do every single day. And so they were going to make a contest out of it. And so all the, all the drivers and all, I mean, all the salesmen, they got together, and they're going to get in the boat, and they're going to do the thing that they do every time. Preaching a message on distraction. Where on my life that's not a sermon. I didn't plan that. That's just the way that is. That's just God going, Jordan, you nailed it this week. You got it. That's the topic. That's what you want. I needed you to preach on distraction. I'm just letting you know you're doing it. Great job. Thanks, God. That was awesome. Somebody out there is way smarter than me. They'll go, he'll appreciate this. And called himself. Okay. 
Let's get back from, from that distraction. So they're doing this boat dock. But here's the thing. This is something they do every single day, and they're good at it. They do it every single day. If they weren't good at it, they would crash boats, and they would eventually lose their job. Right? So they're great at it. This is what they do. But to throw in the kink, the whole point, the only reason I was there, I mean, I love the people that go to our church and supporting businesses and blah, 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 blah. I was there because the whole point was as they were doing this, we got to stand on the rocks on the sideline and throw water balloons at them while they were trying to do it. So I want you to understand, they're trying to pull out a boat, like a, you know, like a $100,000 boat, a $50,000 boat out of a dock and not crash it while like 200 people are standing on the sideline throwing water balloons at their face the entire time. Is that distracting? Right? It was, it was invigorating. It was, it was amazing. I'm telling you, no matter how old I get, hitting somebody in the face with a water balloon just gets, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, I, I went for one person alone, Logan Kell. I don't know if you know Logan. He's one of my good friends. He, he goes to church here. He actually won the contest, um, but we hit him so many times. So what was funny, just to let you know how everybody loves Logan, was they had about 500 balloons, and about 250 to 300 of them were used just on his turn. Uh, so it was a large portion of the people were there uh, just to support Logan in that way. It was just a fun thing. But he wound up winning the whole thing because he's a champion. So that was really good. But that's the whole point. It's distraction. And there were these guys that do this every single day. And they're like hitting the boats. And they're hitting the dock. And they're crashing it. And, 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 it, and it, it's something they do every single day. But distraction does that. Distraction takes you away, even from the things you're good at, even from the things you're natural, even from the things that you know, like you know that they're bad or you know that you shouldn't be involved or you, you know that you shouldn't go, but distraction, it makes you go that direction. It, it takes you away from that place. It even, it takes away from the things that you're just naturally good at and that you've done. Distraction hides it. It shields things so that you don't see things coming. It, it gets you looking somewhere different so that the enemy can creep in and, and attack you just in a crazy way. And one of the things that, that uh, I, I was reading in a book last year, and it, it was basically, I can't remember the exact title, but it was basically how to, I have ADD. Everybody has ADD. It's a generational curse of ADD. And this book was talking about the heart of ADD. Um, and it's attention deficit disorder. And just, unless you're embarrassed, you don't have to, but I mean, I'll, I'll raise my hand. If, if somebody stumped that you had ADD or you thought that you had ADD at some point in your life, I just want to see, just, I just want to see a show of hands. Just want to show of hands. That's a bunch of us. And the other ones, you're, you're wrong. You're lying. So, because here's the thing, and this is what this book said. This book said, this is a, this is a crazy, amazing fact. And it's something that really changed. It started to change my view on things. It said, listen, Attention deficit disorder didn't really exist 50, 60 years ago, right? It wasn't, it wasn't something that really existed. Like it wasn't like, you know, they were writing in the scribes, in the, in the, scribal, in the, in the, in the scrolls of the olden days, and it was like, and the king harketh the attention. Like it wasn't, it, 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 it wasn't something that, that was really on the, on the thing. And, and his, his whole idea was that because today it's not that we have attention deficit disorder. It's that we're, we can only pay attention to so many things at one time. Right, and in today's society, I mean, you got uh, an iPhone. Just take, just take uh, Pastor Joseph for example. He's got, he's got his phone, and he's got this, this little, this little what, uh, Fitbit. It's a Fitbit. I know, so he gets messages and everything kind of goes under. So he's got his phone and he's got this and he's got, and I've got my iPad and I've got my phone and I've got all this stuff. And there's all day long and we're having meetings and we're doing things and, and there's our text message and an alert and you got this meeting, you got that meeting, you got the secretary who's amazing. And she's, she's coming in and telling us all these other things that we got to do. And, and just going through just a normal day, you've got 13 devices telling you about 55 different things that you got to do. That's just like an everyday kind of thing. And our brains aren't programmed to handle that much. 
Right now, you get a, back, in the, back in the olden days, you would wait for like six years just to get a letter in the mail from your neighbor who lived three miles down the road. You know what I'm saying? And now, man, you just get on the computer and you get like what happened uh, in like uh, Cosa Cosa, Martini, Middle Eastern, you know, whatever, like five seconds ago. So yeah, that's not a real place. <laughs> All right, so you, just, you, you open up and you just get Yahoo and everybody's like, you know, how do you keep up with the news? I'm like, well, if it's on Yahoo... And I get it, because you pull it up, it's the first thing that pops up, and there's 30 stories that's going on around the world. Right? You get up there, I don't even, I, I know every single thought Donald Trump has ever thought in his entire life, because he tweets it. And every news thing brings it up. You know what the Trump said today? Clinton and Bernie are out here are doing their thing, and I get to feed all that every single day. I'm not even trying, but it's just, it's just flooding in my brain. Right? We got this whole, this, whole, this whole bathroom thing going on in our culture right now. We're just confused as to who wants to use the bathroom where. And it's just become this massive dividing thing. Hear a pin drop. <laughs> right? I mean, guys, we are having battles. People are ending relationships. People are, are fighting. All right? Over this, over, this, over this bathroom thing. And when this goes away, there'll be something else that comes up next. Right? Remember the wall? That was like six months ago. We were, about to, we were about to have a civil war in this country over the wall. Remember the wall? You remember the wall? The wall. Right? We're going to build a wall. Trump's like, we're going to build a wall. The guy in Mexico's like, no, we're not. He's like, yes, you are. He's like, all right. right? Everybody's dividing over the wall. Does the wall make Trump racist and then racist going all this stuff? We got Black Lives Matter, White Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter, Green Lives Matter. All right, we got Save the Trees. You know what I mean? Save the blades of grass. I saw a sign. This is no lie. I saw a sign the other day uh, in, the, in, in the lake, and, and this guy was like, yeah, I own this property. I was talking to him. I own this property. You couldn't buy it. And he was like, why? He said, because there's a frog habitat. People got together, and they protested, and now you can't, you can't build there because there's a special frog that lives there. And I said, let me tell you something. If I bought me a piece of property as an investment, I, there wouldn't, frogs wouldn't be a problem after about 24 hours. <laughs> be eating frog legs. It's a special frog leg. They'll taste the best. All right, but we take, we take all these things. I mean, we take the littlest, the dumbest things, and all of a sudden you've got an entire, the, the most, the greatest country in the world, the most sophisticated, intellectual, religious, educational country in the world, and we will go to war over frogs, over, 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 over which tree should get protected and which shouldn't, over which bathroom people should use and which they shouldn't. Oh, it's just absolute, and, and, and just forget about like the ISIS. See, that was, that was such a big thing. And everybody's like, oh, is that, is that, are they done yet? No, they're going just as strong as ever, but we're onto a new distraction. They're still over there killing Christians every single day. We just don't talk about it anymore because it's not on the news. They're still over there laying waste to the Middle East. They're still over there attacking Jerusalem every single day, attacking Israel every single day. There's still a massive war going on. We just don't talk about it as much because we've got the bathroom thing now. Right? We got distraction coming at us from everything. Every other day, you got a new economic scare. Right? If, if China's, if China, I just heard the other day, I swear on my life, six weeks ago, if China's economy's, if China's economy's doing good, then that's good for us because we owe so much debt to them. And then just this past week, it was like the worst thing that could happen if China's economy gets better for America. And I'm like, the heck are you, what are you talking about? It's like they just get bored and they just start finding junk. And all of a sudden, we just got all these different distractions. And I, I, I try to offend as many people as possible so it's balanced. <laughs> right? But you've, I mean, you've just got distractions and divisions all 
over the world every time you turn around. No wonder we have ADD. No wonder. No wonder we can't concentrate. No wonder we can't think. No wonder we can't gather ourselves. And so here's the thing that I, I want you to understand is this is the way the enemy has done from day one. Everything in his power to pull you away from the thing that matters most. He wants you to get involved in everything in the world except for the thing that matters most. He wants you to have an opinion. He wants you to pick a side. He wants you to go. And listen, and I'm not just preaching at you, man. I'm preaching about myself. I get sucked into this stuff. I get sucked into this stuff just like everybody else. And see, and this is not anything new. I know that we have this tendency um, as people, as, as a self-centered, self-righteous generation that we're like, this, is, this has never happened before. We've never gone through this. It's never been this bad. Oh, I'm sure if you talk to your great-grandpappy who fought in World War I and World War II, I'm sure that, that he would probably disagree with you. And probably throw out some things that, that, that were probably a little bit worse. And if you were to go hang out in a different country for a while, uh, you would probably say, you know what, they got it a little bit worse than we do. But we get, we get so distracted on this, this comes way is always done. Always. And see, and this is what Paul was talking to Timothy about. Remember the, remember the heart of this series is what? It's living a better story. It's living the life that God's called you to live. It, it's chasing the dreams that God has for you. It's living out your calling, the calling that God has on your life. It's, it's running the race. It's finishing the race. It's enduring through all of the chaos and all of the distractions and getting to the finish line, standing before Jesus Christ, and he looks you in the face and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what this series is all about. It's all about the years that we have in this life doing the things that God has called us to do and making it through all the way to the finish line whenever and however that may end in your life. It's about living a better story. It's about making it through. It's about enduring through to the end. And see, and Paul, like we talked about last week, there was all these people and that they were, they were leaving and they were running away and they were quitting on God's calling and they were running away from the gospel and, they were, and, and Paul said, it just seems like every time I turn around, people are just, they're over here fighting for this and they're over here fighting for this and they're over here doing this and they're over here and he says to Timothy, he says, nobody's fighting for the gospel anymore. Nobody's fighting for the thing that matters. They've forgotten the thing that is most important in their life and they're going. And so he says to Timothy, Timothy, and he goes out through this, just a couple lines of strategy. He says, here's some things that you need in your life. Because it's my hope that if nobody else finishes, Timothy, that you will finish the race. If everybody else quits on me, you will finish the race. If everybody else gets distracted and go a different direction, you will finish the race. And so he says to Timothy, he says to Timothy these words. I'm going to read through this, and the, the main was different, but I'm just going to read through uh, all the way through chapter 2 again just to remind us. It says, You then, my child, talking to Timothy, be strengthened by grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. Entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Listen to this. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. That's focus. 
He comes down to Timothy and says, I want you to understand. I know that there's, there's 20 directions to go. There, there's 30 ways to go. But I don't want you to get so distracted that you walk away from the man and the woman that God called you to be. That you walk away from the calling that God has on your life. And he says two things. He says, I don't want you to get entangled in civilian affairs or civilian pursuits, but I want you to live and please for the one who commands you or your commanding officer. And see, and this is the thing that I want you, I, I, I always like to th- remind people the way that, that the enemy attacked Jesus in his life. Have you ever just read through the Gospels and looked at the way that, that Jesus Christ was attacked? Jesus came and he had one purpose and one purpose alone, and that was to spread the message, the gospel of God, to open up that relationship to the world from God, to introduce God to the people. And to spread the love of, uh, of God. And to, and, to, and to say, listen, I'm going to die for you. I'm going to erase your sins for you. I'm going to hang on a cross. I know you don't believe it. I know you don't think about it. But that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to let you know that God loves you so much that I'm going to give up my life for you. I'm going to die on a cross for your sins. That's my purpose and that's my mission. And that's what I'm heading to do in this life. That was his heart. That was his mission. That was his calling. And from day one, when he shows up, from day one, he gets baptized. He walks into the desert and he meets uh, uh, the devil, the enemy, Lucifer, whatever name you have. And the first thing he does, he doesn't go after him. He doesn't try to punch him. He doesn't try to fight him. He doesn't come after him in any kind of physical way. He doesn't really insult him. He doesn't really criticize him. What does he do? He begins to distract him with temptations. He says, listen, Jesus, I know you're the prince, and I know you're the king, and I know you're the son of God, and I know you're doing your thing, and I know, I know, that you, I know your plans, and I know where you're headed, but I'm going to let you know, listen, you can accomplish all of that without dying on the cross. If you just bow down to me right now, I'll give you the whole world. He said he showed him the whole world, showed him all the cities of the world, all the nations of the world, all the people of the world, and he says, if you'll just bow a knee to me, I'll give it to you right now. You don't even have to go through this. You don't have to worry about the Pharisees. You don't have to worry about the disciples. You don't have to worry about the cross. From the moment he got there, he was trying to distract him. Any, basically, any Jesus, anything, anything you want to get you off the path God has for you, that, that's, I'm, I'm cool with that. Now, I want you to think about that in your life. If the devil himself is completely cool with Jesus Christ ruling the world, as long as he doesn't make it through and live through and accomplish the things that God calls him to accomplish. If he's cool with Jesus Christ looking like he's doing the thing that God called him to do, as long as he doesn't actually do the thing that God called him to do, don't, he, don't you think that he's okay with you looking like you're doing the thing that God called you to do? Looking like you're on the right path. Looking like you have a form of godliness, but you're denying the power there and looking like you're headed on the right path, but you're really not. And then he leaves the desert. He comes up and then he's got his faithful disciples. And Jesus begins to unveil his plan. He's like, you know, guys, this is what it is. God has sent me to the earth. God has sent me to the world to make the love of God known to the world. And I'm going to go and I'm going to die. He says, I'm going to die on a tree. And three days I'm going to be risen. And then Peter, genius Peter, 
walks up and says, Jesus, I just want to let you know, man, you're not going to die. I'm not going to let you do that because I'm Peter the rock. I'm not going to let you, you're not going to die. I'm the, you're going to go and we need, and he starts telling Jesus, you know, we need, we need to overthrow Rome. We need to get together. We need to have this rebellion. Everybody's with you. You've amazed everybody with your bread and your miracles and you're raising people of the dead. And now's the time. Everybody's on our side. We need to unite with the Pharisees and we need to join together. We need to overthrow Rome and we need to do this rebellion thing and it'll be awesome. And everybody will chant your name and everybody will call you king and, and you'll be great and you'll be powerful. And you will do, and you just, Jesus, this is what you need to do. You need to quit talking about going to the cross and dying. Jesus looks at him, the infamous, get thee behind thee, Satan. Right? And here's the thing that I want you to understand, and I want you to hear me. The enemy does not care what you give your attention to, does not care what you concentrate on, does not care how you use your resources, does not care how you use your time, doesn't care how successful you are, doesn't care how much wealth you build up. He doesn't care if you become the whole king of the freaking world as long as you don't do the things that God has called you to do. As long as you don't stay on the path that God has called you to stay on. He doesn't care. He doesn't care a thing about it. How good you are, how powerful you are, how, 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 how much you rise to the top, how many people chant your name, how, how big your business gets. Man, he doesn't care. Everybody's like, the enemy's out there trying to destroy me. My lawnmower broke and that was the devil. Lawnmower, it broke my lawnmower. Sometimes we're just stupid. And that's just us. That's not how the enemy, he, he doesn't sneak in and, and break your appliances in your house. Right? Everybody's like, the devil just attacked our finances. When you're driving around a $70,000 Cadillac, right, and you make $4 an hour. I, I think that's math. Right? And I'm telling you, and this is the cool, this thing I want you to understand. The enemy's totally cool if you think that he broke your lawnmower. He's cool with every bad decision you make, you blame it on him. He's cool with that. He just doesn't want you to realize the way he's really attacking your life. And he's really attacking your life by distracting you and pulling you away. In that book I read, I thought this was interesting. It was a, actually a really, really, really great sermon preached uh, called Death by Distraction. Uh, it was in Christ. You should Google it and watch it. But there's this, this, this book that I was reading. It talks about the way that the idea of distraction. Now, this is going to, I know that if, if you're like feeble minded and, and this may hurt, you know, whatever, it's death. So, this idea, the way that they used to kill people back in the day is punishment. They were, got really creative, they were kind of sick minded. And one of the things they used to do, and they called this death by distraction, they called this, this thing, and they would tie a rope to each one of your legs and each one of your arms to four horses. And they whipped the horses in different directions. And they called this death by distraction. And as I was reading this book about ADD, all right, and, and don't, you don't need to go find the book about ADD, but as I was reading this, this book, it talks about this, and it said people don't realize that our brains and who we are, we cannot focus on more than one thing at a time. It is physically impossible. You ever thought about that? Everybody focus on this hand right here. You focused on it? Now focus on this one and also focus on this one. Can you do it? Then why do you think you can have 74 hobbies, three jobs, and 16 things, and, and all your kids play 45 different sports, and you're going to keep up with everything? Everybody's like, I just, I just don't have time for God. I'm just I'm too busy. You have time for the things that you want to do. 
right? You ever heard this? And I, and I, the, the, the whole, uh, uh, don't put all your bags in one basket, that's foolish. Don't put all your bags in, I mean, all your eggs in one basket. <laughs> I told you I had ADD. I'm reading a book about ADD. You know, and I thought about this, and, and I used to hear that, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Now, I mean, it seems logical. Don't put all your eggs in one basket until you actually think about it for a while. And, and so do you want to put like 24 eggs in one basket and now I'll have to worry about this one basket? Because the, the idea is that if something happens to the basket, you lose all your eggs, right? But you ever thought about the other end of that? What if you had one egg in 24 baskets? How are you going to carry 24 baskets with one egg in each one? Can you do that? I almost did that. I almost brought that up here for a sermon analogy. And then I was just like, how am I even going to fit 24 baskets of eggs up here? It's impossible. Right? But that's kind of our, that's kind of our mentality. We think that we can do all these different things. And we think that, listen, I want you to hear me. We think that we can, like, we can succeed out in the world and we, we can accomplish our hopes and our dreams in the world. And we can also do the things that God called us to do. And you just can't do it. We can, be, we can be an all-out, right, Republican, gun-toting, you know, don't, I hate Obama, blah, 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 and be a, a sufficient follower of Jesus Christ, committed solely to the gospel, and you can't do it. We think that we can be, yeah, the, America needs change, and I'm latching on to, to Sanders, and, and he needs to do this thing, and he's got this thing, and he's going to do it, and, and he's going to erase all the college debt, and he's going to do all the other things that are physically impossible, and, he, and he's just going to go and do that, and we're going to, this is it, we're going to be a democratic socialist, it's a new thing, and it's changing, we're going to do it. You can do that and also be a, an outright, committed, 100% follower uh, to Jesus Christ and committed to the gospel, and you just can't do it. Am I frustrated by all this stuff? Yeah. Do I, get, do I get pulled in a thousand different directions? Yeah. Do I think that, that uh, all the leadership in our country make horrible decisions on a regular basis? Yeah, I do. Do I see any hope in any of them? Not a single one. And here's the thing that I want you to understand. The enemy wants to pull your heart, pull your mind, pull you in every other direction except for the one that counts. He wants you to get like what Paul warned him that he wants you to get entangled in everything. He wants you to get all wrapped up in republicanness and all wrapped up in democraticness and all wrapped up in this movement and all wrapped up in this idea and all wrapped up in I can do this and all wrapped up in here. And what Paul says is that don't do that. A good soldier is never going to get entangled in civilian affairs. A good soldier is not going to give his time and not going to give his attention to all these other things. A good soldier is not. And this week, and I'm telling you, as the Lord started to move in my heart and my life, I realized, because I, I, I go back and forth, but can we do this and still be a follower of Jesus Christ? Can we go in this direction? Can we believe in this? Can we give our attention to this? Can we move in this direction and also stand strong for the gospel of Jesus Christ? And then I started to study the book, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I started to look into the way that Jesus got involved. And I started to look into the things that, that, that he was doing. And I realized that as everybody was trying to pull his attention from the enemy himself to the Pharisees trying to pull his attention to all these different ideas. And the disciples were trying to move it to all these different ideas. And even as he hung on the cross, the soldiers were trying to distract him away from what he was doing. What I realized as he was going through uh, this process that Jesus never allowed himself not one single time to get sucked in to the pursuits of man but kept his eyes on God and followed through with the things that God called him to do he put all of his eggs in that one basket 
And he accomplished the thing that he set out to accomplish. And he did the thing that he set out to do. And here's the thing that I want you to understand. You get one life. You get one story. And you have to decide what are you going to live for through the course of this story. See, and Paul says, I don't want you to get entangled in civilian affairs. I don't want you to get entangled in civilian pursuits. A good soldier sets out to please his commanding officer. Do you know what our biggest problem is? It's that for many of us, we have yet to make the living God of this universe truly and fully, wholeheartedly our commanding officer in this life. Because if we really believe that, if we really believed in our heart and in our mind, God is our commanding officer. God is our king. God is our Lord. He's not just a part of our life while I go out and live, but God is my king. God is my God. He is my commanding officer. Whatever he says, that's what I'll do. Whatever his word says, that's how I'll live my life. See, we don't do that. We don't know what it is to be sold out wholeheartedly committed to our relationship with Jesus Christ. We continually trade in everything else and try to go down every other road, try to go down every other path and, and try to bring Jesus with us. And we can't do that. Taylor, you can go ahead and come up here. And I, I, just, want, I just want to introduce you to a character in the Bible. His name's King Uzziah, right? Everybody that's leaving right now, they're going to the baptism thing, so don't be distracted. If you're not getting baptized today, hang tight with me. I'm going to let him go so we're not distracted. King Uzziah, now if you grew up in church or you ever bought a coffee cup at a Christian store, all right, the famous Isaiah 6, in the year that the King Uzziah died, blah, 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 blah. Right, you've heard that scripture. Right, nobody else nobody knows who King Uzziah is. King Uzziah is this brilliant, brilliant leader. He was, he was a king in 2 Chronicles 26. You ought to go and you ought to read his story. And, and when he came up to power, he was 16 years old. Now I want you to imagine little, your 16-year-old self with absolute autonomy and absolute power. The world would be on fire if that was me. But I just want you to imagine your 16-year-old self. Not when you were 16, but like now you look back and you see how dumb you were and you realize. I imagine you had absolute power, absolute control. He rises up. His, his father, it says that he, he kind of served the Lord, but he wasn't wholehearted about it. That's what it says. He, wasn't, he, was, he was a little bit focused on God, but not all the way focused on God. It actually cost him his life in the kingdom. And so now they put Uzziah, Uzziah comes up the 16 years old. And I want you to understand the climate, the environment of the day. They were surrounded by enemies. Uh, there was a massive raids constantly happening in the northern part of the kingdom. There was a political division between Israel and Judah. Uh, there, were, there were massive amounts of, of political division within each side of, of Israel and Judah. There were people who thought that Uzziah should be king and people who thought that he didn't. People who wanted his father to remain in power and people who didn't. 
right? They had all their defenses were down. Nobody knew who to follow. The generals were having issues. The soldiers were having issues. There was because of his father wouldn't wholeheartedly follow him that he allowed idols and stuff to come back into Judah. So you had multiple religions and you had all this religious division. You had some of the people coming in from the outskirts wanting to live, uh, and I'm, I'm dead serious, wanting to come in and live in Judah, and they were having an immigration debate. That's, that's reality. I know that we think we're the only ones that deal with that, but that, that was what it was. And they were, should we allow these people to come in? Should we not allow these people to come in? What if they're working for the enemy? What if they're not? It's crazy how similar the, the environment of Uzziah's day is with our current society. It's, it really is insane how similar they all are. And, and, and you've got to understand, when a 16-year-old Uzziah, he, he walks up, there's a thousand different things to distract. There's a thousand different directions he could go. There's a thousand different, different uh, uh, groups that he could kind of hook himself to politically. And you know what Uzziah did? It says that Uzziah went to Zechariah, who was the priest and the prophet of the day. And he said, Zechariah, I want you to teach me how to fear the Lord. And it said that during the, all during the days of Zechariah, that Uzziah was taught by Zechariah how to fear God. And they took him through the first five books of our Bible today, took him through the Torah, took him through the laws of God and the commands of God and the decrees of God. And Zechariah, they taught, he, he learned the heart of God. And Uzziah's only desire, the thing that he, he put, the, the basket that he put all his eggs in, the thing that he wanted to do more than anything else, all he said to do, and it didn't matter what the situation was, his one heart, his one mind, his one focus was, how can I please the Lord in this situation? When it comes to this immigration deal, how can I please the Lord? Not how should the country handle it. How could I please the Lord in this situation? How could I please the Lord when it comes to the raids and the attacks that are coming in? Use that. How, how do I please the Lord? How, how, do I, how do I seek God's face in this situation? He focused 100% on pleasing God in every situation of his life. And Uzziah became one of the most successful kings, not just in Israel, one of the most successful kings in history. The things that he was able to do, the wisdom that he experienced, the blessing that he experienced, the favor that he experienced, it, it, it's something that I can't fully fathom something I can't fully fathom. The things that he was able to do at 16 years old because he didn't worry about any of the politicalness. He didn't worry about any of the divisions. He didn't worry about any of the distractions. He blocked all of that out and he said, I want to know how to walk humbly before the God who created me. I want to learn how to fear God. I want to learn how to please him. And this is the thing, and this is what I have just been captivated by for the last year or so of my life. Because we, I'm telling you, there's a thousand things to go. There's a thousand ways to do it. But if you just came to this one place and you just realized that our God is the God of the universe. And our God spent a whole bunch of time producing this book that is absolutely filled with his heart and his ways. And one of the things that Courtney and I, we just sat down and we've done, and we just said, I, in every area of our life, how do we please God? I sat down over here. I was just petrified of being a father. Petrified. But I looked into scripture, God, however you want me, what is going to please you when it comes to raising my little girl? 
When it comes to my marriage, what is it going to please you? When it comes to this political debate, what's it going to, how's it, how, how can I please you? As a pastor, how can I please you? As a husband, how can I please you? In your job and in your career, how can you please God? See, and here's the thing I want you to understand. You have something, somebody, a movement, a doctrine, something, the Republican, the Democrats, you have something that plays as your commanding officer in this life. Something that tells you what's important. Something that tells you how you should think. Something that I know that you think you don't. I know that you think you're independent, but you're not. We're not built like that. There's something that's convincing you what is right and what is wrong out there. There's something that's doing that. Can we all agree that we didn't invent wisdom? We didn't invent right and wrong. So how can we come up with it? Can we, can we, I know that, I know that it's going to have to get through the whole pride thing, but can we at least to some someone's come to an agreement that you didn't create the universe. Therefore, you are not the God of the universe. Therefore, you don't know how things should work. I know that you, in your immense amount of years on this earth, that you've come to all the conclusions and to all the answers and you know the way that it should be. I get that, right? I'm arrogant too. But we're not God's. And we don't know what's right and what's wrong. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen five years from now, 15 years from now, 25 years from now. We don't know what's going to happen with our children. We don't know what's going to happen with our families. We don't know anything. And the sooner we latch on to that reality, the wiser we will be. And Uzziah, sitting there at 16 years old, had no idea what was going to happen, when the next attack was going to come in, if they were going to try to assassinate him. He had no idea. He locked himself in and he said, I'm going to please the Lord. And everything else that comes after that is going to come through that lens. It's today I'm going to please the Lord. And so my call to you, what I believe God's call to his people, Paul's call to Timothy was don't live to be entangled by the distractions of the devil himself, but constantly, constantly seek to please your commanding officer who is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. It will simplify everything in your life. If that becomes your focus every day, in every situation, truly. Now I know, listen, here's the thing. I know that this is difficult because it's simple. I know that it's the simplest things are the hardest things to latch on to. So you're telling me just concentrate on listening to Jesus. Like I'm a four-year-old child in Sunday school. Yes, you would be a lot better off being humble like a child. Because I'm going to tell you what we need. We need the presence of God. We need God to be the king of our lives. We need God to be Lord. And we have to humbly submit ourselves to him 100%. Stop trying to figure it out on our own and commit and focus on Jesus Christ and whatever it takes to please him. If you guys will stand with me. Father God, I pray, Lord, right now that you will let your spirit rest in this house, God. I pray, God, that you would just consume our hearts and consume our minds, God. I know that there are a thousand things, a thousand distractions, God, a thousand divisions, a thousand things pulling us in 30 different directions, God. I, I get it. 
But I pray, Lord, this morning, God, if they leave with nothing else, God, let them leave with this notion that we are called to please you above all things. I pray, Lord God, right now that you will let your spirit and your presence move in the hearts and the minds of our people, God. I pray, Lord, move in an amazing way. Let our people call to you. Let our people seek you wholeheartedly, knowing that we need your presence more than any other thing on this planet. In your holy and your precious name.